Thank you. I might mention something uh, um, in the teaching a little bit too, but thanks for praying for my brother. Some of you didn't know, my brother had open heart surgery on Saturday. He had a four-way bypass. Um, he's my younger brother too, so it was kind of a shock. This past week has been real crazy. Um, we got broken at the church. I hit somebody in the prayer meeting with my car. I hit their car. That was awesome. And uh, and then uh, my brother spent you know a week in the hospital before they finally got him in and, and all squared away. I'll go visit him after this. He's doing good. A little bit of recovery. Many of you might know that what that's like. Um, so be praying for him and thank you for those of you that knew and prayed. And I know that even if you didn't know, your love and compassion is there as well. Um, and then just a lot of other stuff going on that uh, can really get us caught up into the other things of life. And for me, a lot of times I got to be careful because it pulls me away from God. And the temptation is to, to run away from him, not run to him at times. And so I've been practicing that this week. And then we do that this morning uh, while we're here. We want to run to him with our needs, but also have open hearts and hands to what he wants to teach us. And so as we listen to his word, may we be open to that today. We are beginning, uh, well, we're in the book of Matthew. We're going to begin um, looking at the Sermon on the Mount for, uh, from now. So don't, don't let this scare you away all the way to Easter. There's a ton of stuff in there that we want to talk about. And today, instead of jumping fully in like I was going to, I'm going to talk about something else that begins the Sermon on the Mount, but it gives me an opportunity to share a few things that I've been thinking about, have thought about before, and probably wouldn't have shared as much normally. Um, I'll pick up next week with uh, what was planned this morning originally. Um, but we'll set the stage for where we're going over the next uh, um, you know, weeks, really, to really be challenged by God's word and what Jesus said um, in this great teaching. Now, to get us thinking a little bit, um, my personality, if you know the Enneagram, I'm a seven. Does anybody know the Enneagram in here? I'm a seven. And one of the things about a seven, so it's one of those personality tests, but there's a lot more to it. It's really awesome. Uh, if you haven't done it, I'd encourage you to try it out, see what you think. Feed, give me some feedback, that would be awesome. Um, but one of the things about a seven is I always want to be a part of the latest thing or whatever's going on. If I'm not, then I feel like I'm missing out. So I got to be careful because then I'm always trying to be involved in everything and do everything. And, and I want always to, uh, to have fun. So everything's got to be fun and everything's got to be exciting. And so that causes me to look for the next exciting thing. Now, that can create some real serious problems uh, for me and for my wife. I won't tell you what her number is, but God had a sense of humor when he put us together, all right? Uh, so that always makes for interesting cons, if you know what I mean. So uh, one of the things is I like to be close to the action, and I always want to get up as close as I can to what is going on, unlike some of you who are sitting in the back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I really love to do that. So my wife has been uh, dragged into situations or just said, Ron, go right ahead. I'm staying back here. All right. So uh, some of that has come um, at various concerts and different things. I feel that I have a very good knack um, at getting all the way to the front, even if you're not supposed to be at the front. It does not matter what my ticket says. It does not matter what the security guards say. I will go up there. 
all right? So I practiced that at the hospital, um, uh, even to go see people. Um, I don't ask. I just enter in, all right? So uh, it can be a problem for some. Not me, but for them. Um, so I... My wife has had many experiences where I've tried to drag her to the front of the line, to the front of the stage, whatever. Uh, now, I quite enjoy it, but um, she doesn't as much. I also have been experiencing lately the joy of having 11, 11 puppies take over one of our rooms. So we rescued a dog. My wife rescued a dog. I uh, have been a part of that dog rescue, and we found out that the dog, oh, welcome. Uh, the do- I found out the dog uh, we did was pregnant. So some of you knew. Um, we right now have 11 puppies that have taken over one of our rooms, and that room is now a kennel, um, basically. It's fun to walk in there and see what kind of destruction they have done. Um, And some of it is very messy and smelly, if you can imagine 11 puppies. But one of the things about them that they love is that they love to be close as well. So one of the things that that happens when you go in there, they're at the stage now where they can run. They're five weeks old. They can do everything that a puppy's supposed to do. And uh, they want to be on you. So once you enter into the cage, the giant kennel in there, it is like a free-for-all. One, you want to make sure you're wearing shoes. I have now realized that I need some sort of canvas uh, chaps or something like that. Um, But they really want to be close to where you're at. They want to be in the action. And 11 of them with teeth, it could be quite an experience, all right? Um, There is now, even in our world today, just to take it a little further, a desire to be close to people. So one of the things that we realize is for a long time we were driven away from folks, Um, whether it's on our home, whether it's in our communities. We have tended to want to hole up and, and stay away and keep space. But one of the things that we're finding, I think, as we experience community and a longing at Journey here especially, we want to push towards community. So even our men's group, so you guys know we're always promoting small groups, be a part of a small group. It's a pillar of the church. We're not, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. We promote this in various forms, in various ways. Be involved. Why? Because we're pushing people to be close. Some of us have sharp teeth. Some of us do create big messes. Some of us do, you know, uh, have some issues and problems, and it's a little crazy and nutty, but there is a longing for us to get to know one another. There's a longing in people, even some that don't really um, have that personality to be driven towards someone, there's still a longing to be known, to be cared for, to be helped. I see that um, in the hospital. So even in the hospital yesterday, waiting for my brother as he's going through surgery, there's a longing for family and friends to find out what's going on, experience what's happening, and then right over here across from me is a man sitting by himself named Bill. So we asked him, hey, you know, what's your name and what's going on? His mom was in the hospital having heart surgery right then. They had to be, you know, mercy flighted over um, from Klamath Falls and then this whole story that he had, and he's just there by himself. He's from Boston. And you, you, you suddenly were having conversations about everything and you could see in the life of people sitting there in sometimes tragic situations, really hard experiences, this desire to be known, to be close, to be connected. All right. Now, if that's the longing we have as dogs, as people to be by 
you know, celebrities or sports figures or whatever. And then we want that with one another in a church. Can you imagine what's going on in people who long to be close to God? I truly believe even when people don't know it and fully understand it, there is a longing in them for something that they don't even really know or realize. There is something that says, if there is a greater power, if there is something out there, I do have a desire to be connected to it in some way. And that people are longing and looking for that very thing. And it's not just now in 2000, you know, the the 2000s. It's not just this generation. It's just not this time. But this was going on 2,000 years ago and thousands of years before that. A longing for people to be close to the creator. When Jesus comes on the scene, one of the things that he would do that we're beginning to look at in the book of Matthew is we are looking at how he then gave that experience to people. God in the flesh comes to this earth and begins to to show people what God, who God is and what he is like. And that really connected with people for they had experienced something that was distant, separated, This holy God and an unholy people could not connect. And suddenly Jesus comes on the scene and he is, we could even say, reconnecting people to how God intended it to be. And so that same desire that we have for one another or dogs have for their masters, their family, or, you know, we long to be with others and connected to what's going on, then there is that longing for God in that. So Jesus comes along and he begins to teach in his ministry time, heal. Chapter four, we'll look at this a little bit next week more, but he'll be, begin to go around this. Uh, we can almost say, I think uh, in the message, Eugene Peterson translates it as he's on a traveling tour, a speaking tour, and he's going around and he's re-engaging people with God. This is who God is. This is what he's like. And it's not just what he says, it's how he lives. That is incredible. Then we come to the Sermon on the Mount, and over the coming weeks, we will look at not only how God is and and who God is and how he lives, but we will learn how to live that way ourselves. All right, go to Matthew 5, 1 and 2. I just want to give you a few thoughts that I was working through that I wouldn't have shared normally because it was just too much, but some things to kind of flesh out a little bit for yourself. Maybe you could think about this and what it means to you, but this desire is to be. So Matthew 5, 1 and 2, um, this is in the New Living Translation. I'm going to also connect it um, in the, I want to connect you to it in the message. I think the way Eugene translated it was really awesome. But, uh, um, and you can just leave this up the whole time. We'll just kind of kind of uh, chew on this a little bit. I want you guys to think it through with me. But Jesus uh, is gonna connect his people. And what he's gonna do is come along. And this, this time when he is gonna bring them out, bring them together, call them out, is a time when they, and now we today, can be restored, revived, refined, refreshed, and even you could say get refired up. Where we connect with him, this desire is, this longing is, this challenge is to come and connect this way to God. So Matthew 5, 1 and 2, he's been traveling around 
And, uh, and he's been traveling around at this point. He's around the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee, I've been there, you know, 30, 40 times, taking some of you in here and, and many people. There's a place um, on the Sea of Galilee that is traditionally the site of the Sermon on the Mount. And what it looks like is, right now, it's a, I think it still might be a banana kind of, banana grove kind of coming up the side of the hill. It's kind of curved. And uh, it looks like it could almost be like a natural amphitheater. That's, that's the picture that we're often given, very possibly so. And, and right at the bottom of that then is this the Sea of Galilee, this big giant lake basically um, down there. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful area. Jesus is traveling to the towns. He's doing this tour. He's sharing with people. In chapter four, it says he's, he's hitting their head, hearts, and hands in this way. It says he's teaching um, in the synagogues. He is proclaiming and announcing the good news. That's the heart. He's kind of preaching. He's teaching. And then it says he's healing all sorts of diseases. All types of people come to him and he's healing. So he's doing this all over the place and he's traveling around. And then one day we come to this place and it says he saw the crowds gathering. Because when God is truly doing what he does and we experience that and they're, they're getting some teaching, they're getting some preaching, they're getting some healing, that's gonna draw crowds. We don't have to manufacture anything we don't have to ha put on the greatest show. I think sometimes we think we do. We want to do a good job at it, but we're not trying to be attractional just for the sake of getting large crowds. Large crowds were coming, whether it was all right or wrong, they were coming because they were being taught, they're being preached, it's hitting their hearts, and they're being healed. And why wouldn't you want that to happen? And so it draws these large crowds. He sees them gathering. So it says he goes up onto a mountainside. So imagine walking up a mountain, this rabbi with followers. He's known as a teacher. That's why he's allowed in the synagogues. And he goes up on this mountainside, and it says he sat down. Now, this is what a rabbi would do. Maybe there's a log. Maybe there's, you know, a rock, most likely, in that area. And he goes up the mountainside, and he sits down. And that's key because it shows us kind of this idea of what we're gonna present of people coming up to him. And it says he sits down and his disciples, it says, gathered around him. They followed him up. Those followers that were attracted to him followed him up. They gather around him as he's sitting down, maybe again on a rock or something like that. And he began to teach them. And then, boom, we have five, six, seven, this grand sermon, this grand portion of teaching where he then tells us how to live in the kingdom of God here on earth. And we'll talk about that next week because there's a lot to it that we don't want to miss. But I want to just focus on this just for a minute. It says that he goes up, he sits down, and his disciples come up to him. Most likely, they sat down with him. But it says there's crowds. Sometimes we see this in the scriptures, crowds, and there is literally thousands of people. Now, thousands of people, if that is the spot in the Galilee area, thousands of people could fit there. Imagine um, Jesus shows up out at the Brit or down here, you know, at the amphitheater um, off the freeway there. Jesus shows up. Thousands of people could be there. Thousands of people can go up to Brit. 
thousands of people would have been sitting, but it says his disciples came up to him and sat down with him or came up and gathered around him. And this is important because for us as followers of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ in here, there is a longing to be close. There is a desire to find out what's really going on. There's a desire to hear what Jesus is really saying and not be satisfied with someone else telling you. And so I want us to think about that today. Like, what does that look like for us? What is the challenge? Again, we'll bring this up next week as well. But the idea is that, that Jesus sees and sits with us and, and sees what we're going through and he wants to experience that with us, but we want to experience that with him. There's a desire for followers of Christ to get close to him. So what does that mean? Well, what that means is we're gonna have to be willing, sometimes through suffering, sacrifice, hard work, not, it's not the doing, but the being with him. This desire to go up and hear what he says firsthand. I am one that when I go somewhere to experience someone, I wanna be as close as I can because I wanna hear exactly what they're saying. I wanna see their facial expressions. You know what shows us this too? Have you guys ever been, like my wife and I took a little vacation last weekend. I wasn't here because I went to the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors game. So you can boo me now if you want. I don't really care, all right? Because I'm a Lakers fan, all right? Just get that straight. If you're not, I'll pray for your salvation, all right? I'm not a Trailblazers fan. I hate them, okay? <laughs> there you go, all right? Uh, so I, I want to be close, connected. I want to see, feel. I want the sweat splashing on me. I want the, right? So I want to get as close as I can. I want to see and experience what I'm at. And uh, there is this desire and here for followers of Christ to work through that process of getting close to Jesus in some form to hear exactly what he's saying. I'm not satisfied, you know, with anything else. Now, why I bring that up is because I noticed something. Now, granted, to go to the game, we are on the very top level. <laughs> I can't afford that stuff down there. So what I noticed in my desire to be close is that most of the game was watching the big screen because all of a sudden I can see what I can't see down there. I recently w went with a guy from church here and we heard a speaker down in the San Jose area and this guy's on stage. We're about midway back but I noticed that I'm constantly looking at the big screen because I want to see his facial expressions. I want to see his movements. I want to, that, that's part of the experience for me. Followers of Christ, and I think have this desire, I know it's in you, even if it's a struggle, to climb and be close to Jesus. So I say, take that desire and just build upon that. It's there. Don't be satisfied with someone else telling you something way down at the end. Have you ever played that game, Telephone? So if I told one of you over here right now, if I told Wheat, went and whispered in his ear something, and then he whispers in Jordan's ear, and then it goes around all the thing. By the time it gets over here to Hirsch, and I go, Hirsch, what did, what did Wheat say? I'll bet you it's a completely different thing than we started with. 
because everybody starts putting their own take or an interpretation on what was originally said. By the time it passes through, you know, however many is here, it turns into something completely else. So why not take that experience and instead of doing it that way as, follow, as far as a follower of Christ, get close to Jesus yourself. Find ways that you can sit and be with him. Don't be satisfied with anything except the experience that you can have with Christ yourself and let what we do at church or the other ministries enhance that. One of the greatest ways we do that is through his word. Why don't we, I'll wrap up in a few minutes, but let me give you a few things. Why aren't we satisfied or why do we become dissatisfied with this thing to be close? Why would we not do that? Well, some of us just running through some thoughts for me this week, sometimes we find it too hard. It's too hard for me to do this. It's too much time and effort. I'm too busy. There are more important things to do. You know, this week maybe was one of the busiest weeks that I've ever had um, in recent years. It was insanity to me. I told Charles and Brent one day, I think it was Thursday, I physically cannot catch up with all the things that need to get done. Like there are physical things that need to happen and I cannot do it. I thought I could. I needed to ask for help sometimes and I didn't. Or some of it just needed to be set aside and say it's okay right now not to do it. Sometimes we can declare in life that we're just too busy. So one of the things that I declared in the beginning of the week is, God, I'm not gonna sacrifice because I've done it in the past, even just a few moments with you every morning. I need this. I need to connect to you. Even if it's not like I leave and like, well, that was a great experience. Man, I'm just blown away. It's just, I need a moment with you. Maybe you can apply that to a spouse or someone. I don't need this grand date. I don't need this gigantic thing. I just need a moment with you, just a second to connect, to tell you I love you and to hear that from you. And we need that from Jesus. Don't be satisfied or don't let busy or other things take away time from that. Be willing to climb up and sit with the one sit with you. That's what amazes me right there, that he sat down. Jesus was, and it so, shows this this idea that he's not gonna run off. He's not gonna be too quick. He's gonna sit down and just take time with his followers. I really love that. It's so, it's so compassionate to me. Sometimes I think that uh, we're just satisfied to hear things from someone else. Never be satisfied with what I say from the pulpit or Brent or Charles or anyone else for that matter. Don't be satisfied with just hearing things on the, the great podcasts out there and great speakers that are available. Never be satisfied with getting secondhand information. All of that, fantastic. But you know what? Also get it for yourself. Take time in his word because he longs to share with you. He longs to be with you as well. Never be satisfied with what's going down at the bottom. So one of the things that I thought about, the Sea of Galilee is beautiful. So I think about myself. Why would I not walk to the top with Jesus and sit down with him and hear what he have to say? Well, one, 
Um, the, the Galilee area can be very hot and humid. And here's a beautiful place with water. So if there is hot and there is water, where do you want to be? I want to get in the water, right? I don't know if there was skiing back then, but my idea was that I would have probably said, you know what, I'm not going to walk up there with Jesus. I'm going to dangle my feet in the water. And I saw the guys that got a boat. Peter's not using it right now. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go skiing. Let's, let's go. And I'd be, I'd be so wanting to go a different direction, right? So for me, there's a little effort that needs to be put in to go be with Jesus and be not satisfied with anything else that's going on. So I want to encourage you today to climb with Jesus. And if we do, let me just give you to wrap up some quick thoughts. And then the worship team can come. We're going to take communion. And I want to encourage you today maybe to take communion with your family or group, kind of that dynamic with your spouse or whatever, not just yourself. But when we climb with Jesus like this, so again, I'm working through some of this. Work through it with me. You may come up with some good points just from these two verses. One, when we climb and we sit with Jesus, we see things from a different perspective. So one of the things that happens when I take time in his word, and this isn't a guilt thing or a burden thing. I'm not telling you how much you have to read. You could read two verses this weekend. Man, that could be a super quality time. But one of the things that happens, if we go up with Jesus, there is this idea, you hear it from him, you see things from a different perspective. I remember, has anyone climbed Mount McLaughlin? And if you've climbed, or, or Roxy Ann, I've never even done that. Charles and his family, our kids pastor that moved from Texas, has done more hikes than I've done in my entire life living in Oregon. They are awesome. And I see things even through them with a new perspective. But imagine that at the level of standing with Jesus, sitting with Jesus. You see things differently. Suddenly in his word, when we open up to him, we see things differently. I have a different perspective of what I'm going through. So even sitting in the hospital for three days, for hours each day, taking a little time talking to my family and talking to some people that were also going through suffering and then talking to God, praying. We prayed so many times in there and prayed for others and stuff. I start getting a different perspective of what's going on. It shows, man, a different perspective of others as well. So I see things differently. When I sit with Jesus, I begin to know what to do and how to do it. So often I wonder, like, God, what do you want me to do? And I start putting my own take on it. But those times when I sit with Jesus, I can't tell you how many times this week I've read his word and sat down and just something just stands out and it's exactly the thing. Sometimes not, but the exactly the thing that I needed to hear. I know when you guys do that and you connect with me, um, man, multiple times this week, I got scriptures, I've got something, and it's like the thing that you need to hear at that moment, and when I take a little time and sit with the Lord in it, just kind of dwell on it, contemplate it a little bit, it just opens up, gives me a new perspective, but also it shows me then how to think, how to live, what to do, ah, it's just awesome. I want to encourage you to climb with Him. When we do that, uh, we begin to do this too, we leave the crowd. Sometimes... I can get so caught up in, like, because I desire it, on what's going here in the crowd that I miss what Christ wants to do over here. And so he needs at times to pull me away from all of that 
so I can see things differently, experience things differently, hear from him more openly and clearly, and then have a whole new perspective on how to operate from there. When I climb with him, I, I'm going to know him better. I'm going to get to know who he really is and what he's really like. And if I don't, I'm easily then at times misunderstanding who he is and how he works. I don't know if it was a miracle or not. I hesitate to say sometimes. I'm one of those that kind of questions a lot of things. But my brother got out of surgery. And uh, the, the surgeon that did his, his, uh, his surgery um, is super meticulous. Um, I heard a little nickname. I won't share it here. Some of you work at Asante, so I... <laughs> But I heard a nickname through some of the staff on how he is, and uh, I was really grateful actually for the nickname because him being the way he is means that he is super thorough. He prided himself in not missing anything, and the work that he would do was such high quality that I think the perspective was he might lose a little bit of his bedside manner. But when you're operating on a heart, I really don't care about bedside manner because I'm probably drugged out and knocked out anyways. What I want, I want you to be able to do greatly what you do. That's what I care about, right? So when my brother went in, he not only had these blockages, but he had, I don't even know what they were, these kind of growths in here, these two things that seemed to create a problem separate from the blockages. All right. On Sunday night, I stood in there when another doctor, the cardiologist, shows us on the, the, uh, the um, x-ray, shows us these two things. Here's where they are. Here's what they do. Here's the problem. And then we're going to cut them out when we open them up to do the bypass. We'll also take care of that. Right? So we're seeing them on there. So the surgeon comes in and he goes, I'll kind of cut to it. He says, we're baffled. We did a bypass surgery. That's all awesome. It's good. But those things were gone. Those two problems that were created, a lot of the problems, they were gone. And he goes, we're back. what? Now, they tried to explain them away. He says, never has this ever happened before. Like, so you just lost them or something? What did you like? Right? You know? So last night, I went up to see my brother again. And the doctor, the cardiologist that did the original x-rays, he was walking down the hall, and I go, said, hey, what are you doing, man? And he recognized me because, uh, you know, I was giving him a lot of trouble before. So he goes, I go, what is the deal? Did you lose those little tumors or whatever? And he goes, listen, Ron, I, I don't know, man. They lined the two x-rays up, and he goes, I don't know. I mean, maybe they got knocked off and just went somewhere. I don't, he goes, I don't know what to tell you. Never happened before never in the history, you know, and, and I go, well, do you think, like, maybe God could have done something like that? And he's like, I right, listen, I don't know, you know, and <laughs> so you have this opportunity to connect, to, to experience, to know the leader, to get, in, I mean, all this stuff when we're connected to the one that loves us so much. When he calls you, and I think that he often does, and we just miss it for some reason or dissatisfied, or whatever else we listed that's going on. Maybe you have your own things. Man, climb to him. Go to him. 
and sit with him as he wants to sit with you. And are miracles going to happen like this all the time? I don't know. But man, why not experience everything he has for you? One of the things that I learned, and then we'll pray, you could stand with me, uh, is that when I, when I climb and sit with Jesus, um, I live better at the bottom. So I know like this week especially, it seemed at times inconvenient, to be honest with you, because I think more than once I told the Lord, hey, I, I got a lot going on. Have you seen my schedule this week, Jesus? I really, you understand my brother's in the hospital. You understand that someone broke in the church again this week. Do you understand that, man, um, I was backing up at the prayer service and hit one of the prayer ladies' cars, and then I was tempted to run and blame it on someone else, but I didn't, you know? <laughs> Do you understand? I have a busy schedule. And I still felt like him just going, yeah, you do. And I care about that busy schedule. Why don't we just sit for a minute and chat about it? Doesn't have to be long, Ron. I'm not going to take up too much of your time. But Ron, when you do, you're going to see things from a new perspective. I'm going to be able to speak in your life because for a moment we're going to sit and you're not going to be running. For a moment, we're going to sit and I'm going to give you, man, some hope and healing. I want to speak to you about a couple things that maybe aren't going to change your entire life, but they're going to change today. And Ron, when we're done, the rest of this day, you're going to live better in it. Because some of it's going to be hard. Some of it's going to be unexplainable. Some of it's going to baffle you. And so you're going to live better at the bottom. And so, Father, today, just a little time with you. Even now, this is some of that time. Maybe for some, the only thing this week that they have is this moment, at least right now. So I pray that we a little bit of time to sit at your feet, to sit down with you as you sit down with us. Some of us need to see the bigger picture, see with new perspective. Some of us need to hear encouraging words or challenging words, or some of us need to be, even today, it's where we can get disciplined in someone you, Jesus, can speak into our life through your word or maybe even someone else. It's where we, at times, maybe even today, leave the crowd and take a moment with you. Some of us want to know you more. And Lord, we definitely want to live better out in this world. So Lord, Thank you for calling us out and into a relationship with you. And if someone doesn't have that relationship today, may they make a decision to follow you. It's simple as that, just to answer your invitation by saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. And then we begin this an amazing journey through all of its ups and downs. And so thank you. And now, as we enter into a time of communion, Lord, for those of us that follow you, what a time to say thank you for what you have done for us, that you went to the cross, that you called us to be your own, and that you took care of sin by dying on that cross. And then you were buried and took care of sin completely, but you rose from the grave so that we could have a transformed new life. 
So we thank you for that today. And we want to take time to take this little cup of juice and remember your blood that was shed for our sins and your body that was given so that we could be free. And we remember that and also we give ourselves back to you today in Jesus' name, amen.